All right, with that, let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8, as we continue our study through this book. And I hope you guys have been enjoying this. I hope you've been uh, just learning so much. And not only that, having the Spirit allowed to really speak to you through His Word. And uh, I know for me, as I've been diving deeper, as I mentioned, it's been so good for me too, and, and just learning more. And getting deeper into God's word. So Revelation chapter 8. Well let's pray once again. Jesus we come before you this morning. We thank you for this 4th of July Lord. As we celebrate and think about the country we live in. And though it's not perfect God. We are thankful that we live in a country where we have religious freedom so far. But, and we pray that that would continue. But thank you that we are here today. Lord, because of what you have done in bringing us into a country, God, to live, to be able to have homes, a job, uh, just being able to have the lifestyle we have and be able to own our own businesses or, or have good employment and opportunities. We thank you for that. But most of all, Lord, I thank you that we can meet together as a church freely, openly, and able to worship you and say your name, Jesus, and get into you, your word. We pray for those in other countries that don't have these freedoms and where they hide when they have Bible study, where they're underground or in threat of their lives, they still worship you and name your name, God. And we pray for the persecuted Christians there. But today, God, on this 4th of July, I thank you, God, and I praise you and give you honor and glory that you have brought all of us here today, this morning, to be able to get into your word. So I pray that you bless your word today, anoint it with your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Hey, I came across this um, headline the other day. Um, it was from this news site in Israel, and, and I, I like to go to this site. I, I believe they're actually Messianic Jews and, and all. But anyway, uh, it said this, um, the headline said this, Mysterious trumpet-like sounds around the world leave many in hope of Messiah's arrival. What do you think about that? Isn't that interesting? Well, well, what, what they're saying is, is this. Um, in the last decade, and I, I kind of researched this in other articles, in the last decade or so, people all around the world have been hearing the sounding of a trumpet, like just sounding from the sky or, or wherever that is. And, and it's, it's kind of interesting in that way. Uh, there's reports, news articles, and people have uploaded to social media and YouTube videos, and they come from all around the world, like Germany, Ukraine, Iceland, United States, Canada, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Sweden, Costa Rica, Chile, and in England. One person in Land's End, England, wrote this, I'd been hearing it for weeks and felt like I was losing my mind. Interesting, isn't that? Uh, someone wrote on Twitter, this is the part where aliens invade, right? I, I don't know about that one, yeah. In Mississippi, this audio engineer heard a chorus now of trumpets, not just one, a chorus of trumpets, and couldn't help feeling that judgment day arrived. That's what he wrote. Another person asked this, Can someone explain to me why this eerie sound has been going on for an hour in San Francisco? Really well, interesting. Well, there was another article where NASA spoke up and offered their explanation saying, the ominous noises could potentially be the quote-unquote background noise of the earth, otherwise known as ambient earth noise. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, what does that mean anyway, right? Ambient earth noise is like the earth like burping or something, you know, in that way. It sounds like a trumpet. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just thought... First thing in my mind is, well, maybe there's some kid in the neighborhood practicing their trumpet or something. I don't know. Who knows what's going on? I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this. From the Word of God, one day seven angels will blow their seven trumpets and seven judgments will fall upon the earth. I know that for sure. And that's what we come to today in Revelation chapter 8. We come to the first four trumpets uh, blown by four angels, and it really puts the earth 
through much trauma. So I titled our message this morning, The Trauma of the First Four Trumpets. The Trauma of the First Four Trumpets. Now, we're going to pick it up where we last left last week on, from verse 7, and we're going to finish the chapter to verse 13. So it's going to be Revelation 8 from 7 through 13 if you're taking notes. And we're going to see really three sets of things here. And this is our outline. Number one, the land and the sea. Number two, the water and the sky. And number three, the eagle and the woes. So these are the sets we're going to see today. In this first four trumpets, the trauma of the first four trumpets. So number one in our outline, the land and the sea. The land and the sea. Now for those of you taking notes, we will be covering verses 7 through 9 in this section. 7 through 9. But first of all, take a look with me here. Verse 7. It reads, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. So we'll stop right here. Now we begin once again. John the Apostle is writing this. He's the author of Revelation. God gave him the vision, the revelation here that we're studying today in this book. And he writes that now he sees this. The first angel blew his trumpet. Now last week, if you remember, we saw the seven angels and were given seven trumpets to get ready to blow, right? There's all that preparation in heaven. You can listen to the message on our podcast or on our website or on uh, YouTube, Facebook. You can watch it. But you remember there's this all preparation, the silence in heaven, the prayers and everything. And then we saw in verse 6, if you look up, seven angels had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. God gave them seven trumpets to blow. And so now it's unfolding. Now it's happening. Each Angels can be blowing their trumpet one after another. And so the first one has come to blow their trumpets. The first of the seven, today we're seeing only four. Back in the Old Testament book of Joshua, do you remember God used trumpets to bring the judgment on the city of Jericho? You remember that when the Jericho walls fell, fell down and out? Remember how on the seventh day, on the, the seventh march around the city, right? Seven priests blew seven trumpets, and what happened? The wall fell. Well, here, the continuing judgment of God comes from seven blasts, from seven angels with seven trumpets, and get this, during the seven years of tribulation. So there's something in here with the Lord in these judgments with the number seven. So now in verse 1, we see God orders the first trumpet to be blown. And let me give you this first of all. The, the first trumpet brings devastation to the vegetation on land. That's what we see. The first trumpet brings devastation to the vegetation on land. So we see here in verse 7, the angel blows his trumpet and there follow, interesting here, right? Onto the earth comes hail and fire mixed with blood. What a combination that is. Hail, fire. I mean, hail, something's cold. Fire, something's hot. And then with that blood all mixed in, what a strange combination. What is this? Well, most commentators and pastors, they, they view that this is from volcanic eruptions, like a volcanic explosion where, where the water vapor is, is caught up in this updraft from the eruption explosion, and it forms into hailstones in the, in the cool atmosphere, and they start falling down in addition to all the burning lava rock and everything that's coming down. So that's that hail and, and firestones coming down, hailstones and fire coming down. And then it's, it, it, we speculate, but it seems like maybe from animals that were killed and the blood that's there, that's like thrown up in the air too. And then there's, there's so the hailstones and the fire, the burning lava and all the blood mixed in is falling down, thrown in air and then falling down upon the earth. So that's one view. There, there's a lot of views in these things. I'm going to give you another thought later. But um, you know what? It could be that, or it could be God just doing it, right? It could be God, the Creator, just put it together and made it happen in this way. So we don't know exactly, but when this first trumpet blows, these 
this thing is going to happen. Hailstones, fire mixed with blood is going to fall. And the result of all that, the third of the earth was burned. It's going to be, the earth is going to be charged, one, charred, one, one third of the earth. And one third of the trees are burned. And get this, all green grass is burned up. So can you imagine the result of, of perhaps a lot of volcanoes maybe going off here? So with the first trumpet, we see this devastation to the vegetation on land. One third of the trees are burned. All the green grass is charred. A third of the earth is being affected in this way. Can you imagine? One third of the trees in the whole world are, are just burnt. I mean, talk about deforestation in that way. I'm wondering, like, I was listening to something, I think it was, I don't know what, maybe a kid's thing, but, you know, the whole... Um, oxygen thing yeah the trees breathe in our carbon dioxide and then they breathe out oxygen i wonder if it's going to affect oxygen on earth i don't know but imagine that the deforestation that's going to happen or think about this i was thinking about how many fruit trees are going to be gone food for us some even say the the grass that's all burned up it could include crops like one-third of the crops in the world which will surely affect the world's food supply and this adds to the famine right that came out and the fourth seal and the fourth horse the pale horse came out with the worldwide famine so can you imagine what's going to go on with all of that when the first trumpet blows well next we have the second trumpet. The first trumpet brings devastation to the vegetation on land. But the second trumpet brings destruction in the sea. Take a look at verse 8 and 9 here. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown down into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Oh, now here's the second trumpet. It brings destruction in the sea. Think about as the world's trying to recover from the devastating effects of hail, fire, blood, and all that, right? Then right after that, the second angel blows his trumpet, and out onto the earth comes something like a great mountain. Now, it's not a mountain in itself, because John writes, it's something like one. Yeah. And it's something probably he sees so most likely this is this giant asteroid coming from space, coming through the atmosphere into our, our you know, Earth, onto our Earth, and, and then just uh, coming and crashing on into the ocean, basically. You can imagine this giant asteroid entering, entering the atmosphere and flaming the gases around it catch on fire, so like a great mountain, just a huge one, like a mountain, right? Lands in the ocean, and then the ocean becomes blood. What is that? Well, it seems like to me it's the result of one-third of sea creatures dying because of the asteroid's impact on the sea and its presence. Maybe it kills one-third of life in the ocean. And then perhaps that's the blood in the ocean. Crazy. I was reading actually how asteroids could possibly carry dangerous radioactive heavy metals. And maybe that's it. Maybe this is how this particular huge giant asteroid comes in, hits the ocean, and kills one-third of sea creatures, maybe because of uh, uh, nuclear radioactive poisoning there, right? Now, here's something. Note, some see these trumpet events as as like fallout from some nuclear war. A nuclear bomb or missile had gone off and maybe it contaminated the sea and that's a burn the trees and the grass and all all that. And um, there's there's some modern thought about that because we live in this crazy nuclear age too and there's always that threat of nuclear war. But I believe what we're, what we're reading, I, I, I believe to take it literally. I think that these are natural calamities that are going to happen, whether from space or from our own earth and planet itself. But I, 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 you can study this on your own, but I think that ecological disasters by the natural calamity directed by the hand of God. 
That's how I see this. So not only did this giant asteroid kill all the sea creatures and sea life, but and, and created that maybe red tide kind of thing, but it caused a giant tsunami. And that's how one-third of the ships in the ocean were destroyed. Um, that's what I see. I mean, if this big thing like a mountain, something like a mountain, comes flying in, hits the ocean, you can imagine, right, the huge tsunami it's going to create. According to the Global Ship Database, there's over 100,000 vessels registered. So imagine 30,000, you know, of ships are, are, are just, you know, totally sunk. And probably most of them merchant ships, right, carrying things. Maybe some cruise ships, too, because they're, they're the ones mostly out on the ocean. And you can imagine the trade uh, disruption that's going to go on in the world. So with this second trumpet, we see destruction in the sea. One-third of sea life is killed and one-third of ships are destroyed. You know, when we look at these first two trumpet judgments, I, 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 it brings to mind the plagues that happened in Egypt when the Lord freed Israel, right, out of Egypt, uh, led by Moses. If you remember, like, the seventh plague in, in Exodus 9, 23 and 24, it was when Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent hail and fire, thunder and lightning down. Now, this is different because blood is mixed in, but, but it's interesting in that sense. The first plague in Exodus chapter 7, verse 20 and 21, Moses took his staff, struck the Nile, and what happened? It turned it into what? Blood, right? It turned it into red blood and all the fish died. And, 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 and it says there in Exodus 7, the Nile stank. Yeah, it got all stinky. Can you imagine all the dead fish and sea creatures just floating? Can you imagine the smell? Yeah, how the stink that's going to be coming from the ocean. Can you imagine the landscape, right? All charred and burned, well, one third of it, yeah? Uh, uh, burned, charged, the devastation that's all around. What a time that's going to be. I, I was thinking, though, how about you today? As we're sitting here and we're thinking about these things, as we're, we're reading this and studying this, just like the earth will be burned, charred, stinking from the judgment of the world's sin, you know, our lives can be charred. Our lives can be burned. We can, sin kills any spiritual fruit in our lives, you know. Sin rots us from the inside, making us spiritually stink. Think about that. I think as we're reading this, and I, I was thinking about this too, you know, it's time to repent. It's time to turn from those things. It's time to grow up. Stop being a child about this. It's time to no longer allow certain sins there anymore. Because all it is, it's, it's, it's burning you spiritually. It's killing the spiritual fruit. It's really making you spiritually stinky. Is that a thing? <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. So the trauma of the first four trumpets, first of all, we see it's upon the land and the sea. Let's go to number two now, the water and the sky. The water and the sky. And we're going to be covering verses 10 through 12 here. 10 through 12. Now, first of all, we're going to see this third trumpet. And let's read here in verse 10. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the stars, Wormwood, a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. So here, the third trumpet now brings death through poison waters. The third trumpet brings death through poison waters. Waters. So the third angel blows his trumpet, and onto the earth falls this great star like a blazing tor torch. Now it's believed that this is a, a, another asteroid. Perhaps it comes in and it 
Uh, I was just picturing it breaks up maybe into smaller pieces when it enters the atmosphere. Matter of fact, the Greek word for torch was also used to describe meteors, for that's what it looked like when it was coming through the atmosphere and falling on the earth. It looked like one torch. And so these, all the debris, all these little meteors, they fall on a third of the rivers in springs of water. In other words, fresh water. These meteors come and, and they spread out over the whole earth. Now understand, this isn't just localized, but it's all worldwide. And then God calls this asteroid, gives it a name, Wormwood. And Wormwood is actually, that comes from a plant that's bitter, but also it means poisonous. So I believe that this meteor comes and lands on the fresh water. And one-third of all fresh water, all one-third of fresh water supplies, maybe it's radioactive poisoning, I don't know, is poison. So that many people who drink it, they end up dying. So we see here the third trumpet brings death through poison waters. With the third trumpet, one-third of fresh water is poisoned and made undrinkable. I heard there's 100 principal rivers in the world. The, bit, the longest river, you know what that is? It's the Nile. It stretches 4,180 miles long. The Amazon River is next. It's, it's 3,912 miles long. And the Mississippi River, it goes 3,710 miles long, right, right, right there with the Amazon River. But can you imagine today, can you imagine one-third of rivers and bodies of fresh water all, of the, all over the earth being contaminated, undrinkable. This will be a time where there's a lack of fresh drinking water. And it's not good, right? Because there's already, uh, I believe, like a drought even going on from the famine and, and things that are happening. It could be that. But it's not good. There's, it's going to be like, oh, where's water? We need some water. Oh, it's only limited supplies. Like right, right now, uh, currently up country, we're in what stage one drought conditions, and there's a $500 fine for non-essential quote-unquote water usage. I was thinking, well, I don't know, maybe when this happens, it's gonna be like, oh, non-essential water usage, it's gonna be fine, maybe $5,000, not $500. I don't know, but think about that: no fresh water. One-third of it, or, or not, no fresh water, but there's going to be limited fresh water. You know, in Jeremiah 9.15, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food and give the poisonous water to drink. And this was toward Israel during that time, but we see that coming to this world in the tribulation years. You know, in another sense here, as we come and are staring at this passage, the world, it offers us poisonous water. It offers us water that, that will never really satisfy us. It, it'll really poison us, the worldliness in it, the, the, the not going after God, but putting up idols in our lives. And, and it wants us to drink their water, their potion. But Jesus, what does he offer us? Living water. His living water is the only water that will satisfy. His water is the only, only one that he said, where you will never thirst again. Have you been thirsty? Have you been thirsting for, for what is life about? What's my purpose? Why am I here on this earth? What is my future? God, what do you have? You know, you go to Jesus and you'll find that living water and you'll never thirst again because you'll find it in Jesus. And you will be like that healthy tree, right? Planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Your leaf will never wither and all you do will prosper. Psalm 1 verse 3. Go to Jesus, you guys. Don't let the world say, offer you their water. Hey, I get something. Don't let Satan come say, hey, drink this. No, it's poison to your soul. Only go to God with the living water. Well, here we see the third trumpet brings death through poison waters. And now the fourth trumpet. 
brings a darkness in the sky. The fourth trumpet brings a darkness in the sky. Look at verse 12 here now. It says, The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. So the fourth angel comes. He blows the trumpet. And what happens? A third of the sun was darkened, and a third of the moon also. Now, that kind of makes sense to me, because if a third of the sun was darkened, then, the, of course, the moon, because the moon picks up its light from where? The sun, right? So if the sun's darkened, the moon's going to be darkened. But it's interesting, a third of the stars were darkened. And so that on, in all of this, a third of the light, like in the daytime, is darkened. It comes down a third, it dims down. And, and then at night, it was darker, because of this trumpet. I don't know what this is. We're not sure what happens. Who knows? May God, I think, reached up to that dimmer knob on the wall in heaven and turned it and dimmed the light one third. Something's happening, right? From the sun, which affected the moon and the stars, and he just dimmed it down. I don't know, maybe there's stuff in the sky, but I think the, the sun, the moon, the stars, even everything's going to start, it's going to be dim. But it's only temporary though. Because in Revelation 16, where we will see in verses 8 and 9, that actually the sun later will, I believe, will supernova, will get super bright, probably then burn out like scientists are talking about. And it will get so hot and bright, it will scorch everybody here on the earth. But at this moment, one-third is dim. So with the fourth trumpet, one-third of light coming from the sky is dim and made darker. The fourth trumpet brings a darkness in the sky. Now with, with, with these trumpets and these, these events that are going on in the world and, and, and the, these natural calamities and all and things from space and everything, can, can you imagine this? Can you imagine, it's like the movies, yeah? they, they bring you into this scene where the expert scientists in all these areas are, are there meeting with government leaders and, and they're trying to determine what's going on and how, why is this happening and how can we resolve this and how can we change these things. I mean, I mean what, what's going on here, everything, trying to find answers and solutions. But then, here's what I was imagining. I mean, picture this scene like, you know, those disaster movies and, and the politicians, everyone get together. Imagine this scene when they find that the measurement of the light that's been dimmed is exactly one-third, yeah? From the sun, the moon, and the stars, it's one-third. Now imagine their chicken skin when the, these politicians and scientists and advisors, military heads, they come to realize all these numbers have been the same, right? What have we been seeing? What have been repeated? What has been repeated so many times? Not the seven. One-third, one-third, right? One-third of, of, of trees burned out. One-third of sea life dead. One-third of ships destroyed. Imagine the numbers coming in. One-third of fresh water poison. And now exactly one-third of the light has been dim. You know what? God is sending a message here. This isn't some freaky twist of, you know, climate, global climate change or, you know, something that's going on. No, this is clearly, this has been, been done. It's one third. Yeah? Something is happening here and it's clearly a divine move of God. That's what I see here. The one-third, one-third. I was wondering about this. Oh, Lord, you like this one-third number, right? But imagine when you really analyze and the people world are looking at it and the reports are coming out. One-third, one-third. You see, the human race thinks they are in control. They think they are in control. And, they, and then the things that they can't, well, it's nature, yeah? It's mother nature, 
Yeah? Take care of Mother Nature. Take care of the planet. Take care of the earth. Yeah? We can help control climate change and global warming. And, and I, 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 we've done our part, though. I, I'm not saying you know, that we haven't. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've abused things, too. But creation, nature, has been put up in a way where, oh, we control. But the human race thinks they are in control. But here, when God says one-third, 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 it's another proof after all everything that has happened that they are not. Turn over to the left to Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And take a look. I, I just want to read quickly through verses 18 through 25. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, the truth about who God is. For verse 19, what can be known about, about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Verse 24, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been, look the next two words, clearly perceived. That's important. Original word, perceived. They, they can see it. They can understand that, that there's something greater in them, right? Clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of immortal God for Images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve what? The creature or creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So you understand, if you put this together with what we're studying in Revelation, right, what we see, we, we, we see that God is proving, look, I'm the creator. I'm the one in power. I'm the one in control. The world is lifted up. Mother nature or earth, yeah. But the first four trumpets of God shows he is greater. He is the creator over all the earth. In God's hand, God's hand is in control. God's hand is the one who's bringing these judgments and directing. This is why I believe these are natural kind of calamity type of stuff. Yeah, and not some nuclear thing. He's the one proving that. He's the one directing these things. He's the one. It's not, oh, nature's gone crazy. Oh, we made, what was the commercial a long time ago? Right, don't make Mother Nature mad or something like that, right? No, it's God here revealing himself in these judgments. You know, I think about that. I mean, currently, right, we're in hurricane season, yeah? Do you have, are you prepared? Do you have your whole hurricane? We're not. Anyway, but, <laughs> but every year, right, lately, right, I praise God at the end of hurricane season, season that we haven't been hit super hard, yeah? Praise the Lord for that. Praise God that, that He has kept His hand like kind of like this. Yeah? Maybe we get some wind and rain, and I think, maybe was it last year or the year before, it was a little bit, you know, little touch from one. But remember that when there were two hurricanes expected to hit us? Two of them? Do you remember that? And everyone's hunkering down and everything, but God steered the, both of them away from us and there was little or no impact away i see god there our creator putting his hand out or steering these these hurricanes or maybe an angel's like give me the controller you know kind of thing right but during the judgment and the tribulation it will all be different god will darken the sun the moon and stars god will steer asteroids god will have volcanoes explode 
God is the one in control. You know, if God is sovereign, if he is the one in control, let me ask you this. We got to think about who steers your life right now? Who steers your life? Is it you? Are you the one always taking the wheel and driving your, your life? Yeah? Are you letting God guide you? Are you submitting to Him and His will? Do you, do, do, I mean, the Lord speaks to us. And, and so are you submitting to that? Are you listening to that? Uh, I'll do it later and you take the wheel. Yeah? Oh, yeah, I heard something in church and you feel the conviction, the Spirit is moving, but you're like, mm, I'll deal with that later. And you walk out, of this, walk out of the doors and you grab the wheel. And there you go, on your way again. Yeah? Something happens in your life and you're like, oh, I don't know, God, I don't... I, 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 and you grab the wheel and try and, try and steer through it. Yeah? You're overwhelmed with, with emotion. Maybe it's anger. Maybe something happens. Maybe you get hurt. Yeah? And rather submitting to the Spirit. And the Spirit's been working in your life and planting seeds in your life that it will grow with self-control and love and kindness and gentleness. Galatians 5, right? What do you do? You take the wheel and you just do what you do. God has to steer our life now. We have been bought with a price. We are no longer our own. We belong to Him. Who are we to grab the wheel and just, I'm going to drive, Lord. I want to do what I want to do. This is what the world is doing now. And this is what they're going to see is they don't have control ultimately. They think they do. But God is the creator. God has created everything. He is steering all this. Let me tell you, submission to God, to be filled with the Spirit, it means to... It means the Spirit, you know, in Ephesians um, 5 when it talks about, Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. You know what that means? It means to place yourself in submission under the control of the Holy Spirit. To do that, to submit yourself to God is the key for the power of God to work in your life. So let God lead. I was talking to someone the other day. Uh, many times, you know, we ask God, we're like, hey, Lord, we need help here. And then, or, uh, you know, and then he brings up, a, no, I, I think I'll do it. Or, or we think of something like, oh, I want to do this. And you go and do this. And then you're like leading. Then you, then you say, God, help me in this. You know, it's like, oh, first you lead. And then you ask God to come behind you. No, it should be the other way around. All right, so the trauma of the first four trumpets, the land and the sea, the water and the sky, and our last verse this morning and of this chapter, our heading is the eagle and the woes. The eagle and the woes. Look at verse 13. Back to Revelation now. Verse 13, it says, Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So after the fourth trumpet, John notices, and he, he can't help but notice, this eagle now flying right over his head. That's what I feel like. This eagle is just coming over his head. Now, in the King James Version, it, it translates this word angel. But in older manuscripts, actually, um, in, in the older ancient manuscripts, they use the word eagle. And that's why our modern translations like the ESV or NLT and some of the ones uh, that are out there today King James is actually a, a, a older, but the modern translations say eagle here because the original language in the older manuscript say eagle. So think of eagle here, and the word eagle here in the Greek really talks about like a bird of prey, uh, um, some sort of bird that eats meat, basically, it, and like a vulture. But here it, it's translated as an eagle flying over. And I imagine maybe, maybe this is one of the biggest eagles ever seen. And it's flying over. And I can imagine John notices it because it's the shadow of its wings. It's like, you know, kind of swooping over you. 
and it's making you feel that chicken skin going right over you. And then even, even more of the chicken skin is this eagle talks. He speaks. And the eagle says three times, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's not telling a horse to stop. That was a joke. Anyway, that was a bad joke. But the eagle says, whoa. Now, we studied this last Wednesday, if you uh, caught that online or if you're with us. Woe, actually, Jesus said this, woe to the Pharisees and woe to the lawyers, the scribes. And actually, it means, it, it expresses sorrow and judgment is coming. Uh, it, it has an air of condemnation upon the person where, when God says woe to you, oh, there's sorrow, judgment, and this, he's condemning you. Well, woe, 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 three woes come out where the eagle is expressing God's sorrow and judgment that is going to fall upon the earth and condemnation. And notice the eagle is like saying, to those who dwell on the earth, uh, because why? Whoa, 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 why for the people in the world at this time in the tribulation? Because the blast of the other trump is that the three angels are about to blow. The eagle says, gives them three woes because the next three trumpet judgments by the next three angels that are going to come upon those people, they are going to be way worse than the first four. That's why. That's why the wings of the bird of prey cast this dark shadow over the earth. And the bird speaks. You know, when we talk about going to heaven, we look forward to it, right? And we talk about, oh, the best is yet to come. There's that phrase, right? The best is yet to come for us. But here, the ego is warning everyone that, you know what? The worst is yet to come. In other words, you've seen nothing yet. This is nothing compared to what's going to happen. We'll see as the next trumpets unfold. We're going to see... Um, I mean, first of all, these, these four were more like natural calamities. Well, what we're about to see is going to be more spiritual. It's going to be demonic and Satan himself. and This is going to be way crazy. And we'll see this in the coming chapters. Now, take note, though. The church is not here. Uh, when the eagle says, those who are dwelling on here, that's not the church, right? Because we're gone by then. We're, we're, we're taken up to heaven in the rapture. It's long been happened. And us believers were in heaven. Besides that, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 tells that believers, I quote, not destined for wrath. Some older translation says we're not under the wrath. And I've taught that, right? We, when we were in First Thessalonians, we understand that as a church, as believers, we're not under the judgment here that's being, that, you know, being given in the seven years of tribulation. And so you can say believers are not under the woes here. No, this is for earth dwellers. So here's what I want you to see, though. Our last point of this. What the eagle cries out, it's more than a statement. Because I believe this. This is our last point. God graciously pauses for a moment to give warning for what's coming next. First four was trumpet blue. Second trumpet, third trumpet, fourth trumpet. And then there's a pause while this eagle is flying. And maybe it's a giant one flying around the world for a little bit. And talking Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I believe it's God graciously pausing for a moment to give warning for what's coming next, to give chance for people to give their heart to Jesus, to turn to God again, to turn to God. I I, I really believe that's what's happening. There's a slight pause here in this as God gives warning, right? All of these natural calamities and the asteroids and everything that's going on, one third, one third, one third. It's God warning, God telling them, look, this is me, I'm in control. And then he warns them, look, there's more coming. What are you going to do? There's more coming. And it's in those times of disaster that we think about God the most. Yeah? C.S. Lewis once wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. 
So you see, the trauma of the first four trumpets is God's trying to get the world's attention. It's his megaphone. It's his PA system. He's, he's, he's holding that. What do you call that? Megaphone? Is that what it is? You know, this is the loudest one there and talking there. And he's just warning the world. He's rousing them. He's getting their attention with the natural calamities. And now with this ego, he's trying to warn them. More is coming. More is coming. Turn. Repent. Maybe you're going through some, quote-unquote, trauma yourself. Maybe you're going through some troubling times, and perhaps God in his mercy is trying to, trying to get your attention. Maybe he's trying to get you to wake up. Maybe through that he's, he stopped, but he's warning you. And today, maybe this message is to warn you. Say, hey, if you don't stop, in the direction you are heading in right now, it's not going to be good. It's going to be worse. Wake up. Wake up. It's, it's time. It's time for us to wake up. I was thinking about here in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14 says, Besides this, you know that time, that you know the time that the hours come for you to wake up, to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Let, not, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. God is calling us today. Let's not be apathetic to what he's saying. Let's not just stay the same. Let's grow. Let's, let's let God be your Jehovah Nisi, your victory. To bring victory over those sins that have been been just bringing you down for so long, the habitual things. Let us change today. If there's anything to take away today, understand what's coming so that we would change today. I think like an eagle flying over the head, this passage shouts out to what is coming. And I'll close with this. I think this was super interesting to me. Years ago, Congress passed a bill to fund a special commission to study and find solutions to what they call near-Earth objects. Basically, meteors, asteroids that come and crash into the Earth. For example, scientists have been watching the trajectory of uh, Apophis, Apophis asteroid. Um, it's as big as the Empire State Building. 1,480 feet long, and it has the potential to crash into the Earth. The data collected, you know, as they watch it and calculate, it helps the scientists look over mock-ups of what would happen if it entered our atmosphere, where it might land, how many people would be killed, the effects upon the environment. A re very recent article I came across stated the scientists breathe a sigh of relief after calculating that Apophis is not on track to hit the earth squarely for probably another hundred years. So they're like, oh, that's, that's good in our calculation. But don't, don't let your breath go right away. They do say in 2029 it will pass close to the earth at a distance of 20,000 Miles. And to give you a little uh, perspective, it'll be close enough you can see it with the naked eye. Uh, this is 2029, they, they predict it. To give you perspective, the moon is 238,000 miles from the earth. This is 20,000 miles. That, that's pretty close, I would think. Now, now, I'm not saying this is it. Perhaps that's that mountain that we're reading about. And God just takes the controller and steers the thing into, ah, it's not going to hit us for 100 years. And God goes, oh, yeah? Yeah? 2029, maybe that's the middle of trip. No, I don't know. I started thinking, I go, God, I better not, I better not, I better not. Maybe it's wormwood. I don't know. But I do know what we're studying today. It will happen, as God says. 
So God is calling out to you and I with this passage, like the eagle warning of us what, what is to come. Yeah. We need to respond. We need to change our lives. We need, we, we need to be more of a light. We, we need to be different tomorrow than we are today. We need to get rid of that sin and habitual sin. We need to repent. And we need to go to the cross as we are going to do right now in communion. We need to know that God loves us and He wants us to come. He wants us to remember Him. But you know what? We need to find love and forgiveness and make right with the Lord right now. So as we move into a time of communion, let that be on your heart. Whatever you're going through, whatever, whatever sins that God is now bringing to the surface, saying, hey, deal with that. Make right with the Lord. Hey, this has to change now. No more. Whatever that is, let's go before the Lord. This is a perfect time to do that. This is a perfect time to come to the Lord as we hold the cup and bread and seek His forgiveness and cleansing and get right with God. And then go forth today filled with the Holy Spirit living for Him. So let's come to Jesus. With all this in mind, because the earth will experience the trauma of the first four trumpets. Let's pray. Lord, as we move into our time in communion, God, I ask that you would be with us, Lord. And as we've gone over this passage, God, we hear the eagle crying out its woes. Even though it hasn't happened yet, Lord, we hear, we hear it. And it's your spirit speaking to us as we learn today what the first four trumpets will do. And God, we don't want to be part of it. I pray for anyone who's not saved, that they will be saved. In the sound of my voice, like they give their heart to Jesus right now. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we would stop our wandering, that we would stop being distracted, that we would stop living our life half in the world and half not, half in the world and half coming to church, Lord. I pray that we, we, we would be fully committed to you right now. And so, God, come, be with us, forgive us, hold us, lift us up, and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen.